Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Just like that, the final hour is here of the Monday edition. Glad you're with us as we broadcast live in Music City and across the Outkick Network with Rowan Hutton with you. And Chad, we are here in Nashville. We are back tomorrow, and then we are live on Radio Row throughout the week. four more hours of Outkick 360 in Nashville, and then we are in the desert uh, from literally and figuratively. From Wednesday through Friday <laughs> on the show, we will be in the desert at the Super Bowl. Looking forward to it. Always a lot of fun. We'll have a lot of great guests for you those three days on the show. Can't we wait. Recapped a, a bit of the the headlines from the week. It included the Pro Bowl, which was about what you would expect. Uh, Chad, they always have great uh, viewership for that. But also the the storyline with Aaron Rodgers, and he's he's not trying to hide the fact that he's interested in the Raiders. He keeps mentioning the team, and so does Devontae Adams. Speaking of uh, viewers, uh, we did get the numbers. 80 for Brady, finished second at the box office. 12.5 million uh, at the box office. Okay, so that's half of their budget. Knock at the cabin door was 14.5, number one. Uh, 80 for Brady beat Avatar, too, the way of water, this week. They were third. <laughs> what an upset. So, you know, that's that's not all bad. Still have um, not... Still have not heard of any from anyone who's actually seen Avatar, but it made $2 yeah. billion. Uh, people watched it, just not anyone we knew. Dan Mullen joins us, former Florida Gators and Mississippi State head coach, now <laughs> broadcaster. Uh, joins us on Outkick 360. We'll talk a little ball here with, with Coach Mullen. First off, thank you for the time. Hope things are well. The last time you and I uh, and Chad were in person uh, was at the Opryland Hotel at a coach's convention in Nashville. It's been a while. You were the coach of Mississippi State at the time, in fact. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and at the time, Dan, we were talking uh, in, in person about the Rams opening, about you getting to the NFL. And a couple of weeks ago, we we're like, where is Mullen's name in all of these coaching searches? Are you enjoying the the television aspect so much that, you know, NIL and everything else is just not worth it? You know, I really am. I think, uh, you know, you never say never uh, with going back to coaching and, uh, you know, possibly the NFL and and, uh, at that level. But I've really enjoyed the TV side of things. I've really enjoyed the the lifestyle it brings. You're still involved in the game. And uh, you know what? It was new. It was exciting for me this year. I had a great time. And it's something I, I want to try to continue to improve on. I, I, I had a lot of great experiences with the opportunity to be in studio, to call some games, um, to be at the championship game and some shows on set. And it, it was a lot of fun. And it was just a, uh, a whole different world and something that was a lot of fun to, to try. And, um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what the future holds. You never know what it will hold in the end. Now, you did a really good job on television this season also. Um, but, you know, you know a lot of people, obviously, in coaching – and some that are out of it, some that are still in it. Do you sense a lot of fatigue uh, with the current state of college coaching with NIL and transfer transfer portal and everything with coaches currently in the profession? Or is it not as big of a driving force away from it that maybe we in the media might think? 
You know, I think there's some, I think, uh, you know, not, I don't, fatigue's not, not maybe not the exact thing. I do think it does wear you out and wear you down and talking to some of the coaches uh, that I know and that, that are out there. They, they just, the uncertainty of it. I don't know. They love exactly where the game's at. And you look at what a lot of people, you know, the, the great rewards of coaching were helping young people develop. And you, you, you know, you have this, this young guy, you go recruit out of high school and he comes to your school and, you know, you, you get a degree and you develop them. And, it, you know, they go from, you know, not maybe a highly rated recruit. Then they leave and they get a degree. They don't get a great job, start a business, start a career, become a doctor, become lawyers. Uh, whatever it is they're going to do, go into the NFL uh, and have the opportunity to play pro. And I think a lot of that uh, has changed. I think you can see the change coming. I think one of the things the coaches are frustrated about that I've talked to, and, and even I know, is you saw the change coming a couple of years ago. And the NCAA and a lot of people just kind of wanted to bury their head in the sand about it and said, we really don't want to listen to what the coaches have to say about it. You know, we want all the, the players need their rights and, and this. And I think they, they, they missed the boat on the coaches were on the player side. I don't know if you'd ever talk to coaches and think, hey, we want to give the players as much as they can get. What's the best way? to either give them money, to get them paid, to find different ways to give them more. And, you know, I mean, the original one, the NSA was, I remember you go back a couple of years ago, they can have bagels, you know, I'm like, okay, I can have a bagel after workout. We're like, well, okay, that, that's, that, that's a step, but not really where we want to go. And so I think, I, I think a lot of the frustration brewed from that and that it's changing a lot of things and it's changing a lot of things that guys loved about coaching and developing players into more of this kind of a free agent system. But as always, coaches have kind of always had to adapt to the roles that are given them. And I think that's what they're, they're starting to do now. So coach, if we, if we saw this on the horizon before it actually happened, uh, the coaches behind the scenes definitely did, as you're mentioning, what is on the horizon now? Where are we headed that's inevitable? Are we, are we headed towards a union? Are we headed towards uh, contracts? Like, what, What's the next phase of this that no one's talking about yet? Well, I, I think the issue is, is everybody wants to talk about the problems, but no one has the solution. So I think a couple of years ago when it, when it came up, you know, with the coaches with NIL, I remember being in a meeting with the NCAA and, and saying, hey, it's 100% going to be about recruiting. And they're like, no, have nothing to do with recruiting. It's only really going to be about players that, you know, have value to their name and can sign contracts. And I mean, you just sit there and shake your head like, you're kidding me. The whole thing's recruiting based, you know, I mean, yeah. the, the coaches are going to look for a way to utilize this. So um, I, I think that the, the issue is, and I'm not an attorney on this one, is finding the legal answers to go and fix the problem, you know, and, and so you can sit there and say, let the players unionize. We're going to contract and put you under contract. It still brings no balance if there's still name, image, and likeness beyond that. Uh, because, you know, you sit there and say, okay, here's your salary cap for players or what's set. Then you just have guys, boosters say, well, we're going to get you another contract out there with endorsing a product. So, um, I don't know. The, the one solution may be you go to unionize the players. There's a salary cap that's agreed upon within that to give the universities a little bit more control. They own the players' name, image, and likeness rights under that contract so that they can go back and sell the endorsements to go pay for these contracts um, and, and raise money. But then all of a sudden, the endorsement money goes back to then the schools. Uh, 
and they don't have the ability to go create endorsements for themselves beyond that, that could bring a balance. I don't know the legality of that or, uh, or who you could get to agree to that. Um, you know, because I, I think you see it when you, when you look at the NFL, there's a great salary cap, but, um, you know, players go in and negotiate their own contracts beyond that uh, for their endorsements. But, you know, th- that's big money. And you know what? NFL teams aren't going to sit there and they they legally can't find ways to pay you more where boosters probably still could. You know, the NFL teams don't have boosters to go kind of beat the salary cap to get you to play for a team. Your successor at Mississippi State was Mike Leach. Um, we obviously lost him uh, recently. What was he like to deal with, whether it be at SEC coaches meetings or any other time you were around him? There's all these great stories about Mike Leach, the person, but what was your interaction with him like, especially as someone who took over a job after you left it? Yeah, I think, well, there was a gap in between uh, uh, between he and I, but uh, in, de- and, you know, in talking with Mike in SEC meetings and, and getting there, it was kind of interesting. I think his first year was, um, I was only in there, I think, two years with him in SEC meetings, and his, his first year was kind of a, adapting to the league, and it was Zoom meetings and, and you know, nothing in person. So uh, his personality doesn't come out sometimes when it's just the Zoom meeting. I, it was actually almost me laughing because it's a Zoom meeting. He's sitting at a desk. I'm like, hey, that was my desk. Like, I'm, I'm almost <laughs> want to, like, text him. Hey, I used to sit at that desk. Like, but, like, kind of goofy things that way. And, uh, you know, and, and – but. I always thought he was great. I think after the after he got a little adapted to the league and what it was all about, um, I think he's extremely intelligent, extremely insightful when it came to the game, and straight, you know looked at what was good for the game. He had his own unique way of doing things. Um, I think one of the things he brought to the table was that it wasn't there's not just one way to do something. You'd be successful a lot of different ways. Uh, he had his way. He believed in it, but he was always a thinker and trying to learn other people's ways and thoughts and ideas, not that he was going to maybe incorporate into what he was doing, but just to go learn it. And, uh, and that way I, I had a great time. We got to go back. I was in Starkville last summer. We were there visiting friends. Uh, we're out at a dinner and, and one of the guys that was, uh, you know, a, a, a booster there said, Hey, I'm having some people over coach. Why don't you stop by? And Mike said, if you're going to come by, he'll stop by. So we've got to go hang out for a little bit at the, this one guy's house. And, uh, everybody's in the backyard, Rocky Felker, another, Mississippi State head coach came by. It was kind of a great time just telling stories. Mike's Mike's such a great storyteller, such a great guy to be around, and a fun guy. And he and he can, you know, he can talk about it. Loves talking about football, but he really can talk about any subject. And uh, you know, and I think it's great when you have the, the the coaches around that were around other people because we're all sharing stories about football, what, how we did things, and what we did, and how they're a little bit different. It was, and uh, I, I don't I don't think I've ever had a bad night hanging out with Mike. Dan Mullen, our guest on Outkick 360. Uh, your your relationship with Dak Prescott is well documented. Um, even going back through the the year he was franchise tagged, I believe, even after Mississippi State in his early career with with Dallas, coach. You uh, the story was you picked up the phone, you called him whenever he dislocated his ankle, I believe it was, and he was out for a while. Oh yeah, and it, that was rough. What uh, he gets hurt early on this past season and comes back. Dallas is one of the top teams in the league, but there's still just something missing there. What what needs to happen for Prescott to reach the full potential in the NFL? I think I think the big one, you know, and, and unfortunately, I got to go out to see one of the games this year. My son and I went out to go see him play in this game. He got hurt. It was right okay. at the beginning of the season and uh, and hurt his thumb. And I knew, it. you know, that was a tough one because it was on his throwing hand. Um, 
so I don't know, you know, with something like that, uh, he wants to get back. He wants to get on the field and play. He's such a competitor, uh, you know, and that's one of those deals in gripping a football. I, I don't know for sure. I, I haven't asked him or talked to him about it. I just always tell him, hey, you know, make sure you get yourself healthy, get back. And I know you're going to get yourself back. But uh, I don't know if he was ever really 100% again the whole season with something like that. You know, it's just something that kind of nags and it's still there for him uh, throughout the year. One of the things I think, and, and he's such a great leader and, and wants to, and he makes everybody else around him better. I think, you know, when you look at it, though, the NFL is a tough league and the NFL is set for balance. And, uh, you know, and there's windows. And and I think, you know, a lot of times you you look and, I, and uh, you know, I'm not in the locker room. I'm not there every day with them and everything going on. And, and I think they really, at times, um, could use another weapon maybe on the outside form. I, you know, I, I always looked at football this way. Here, here's a great way to look at teams. Um, and you got to figure it out. And especially if you want to win a championship, how are you going to score touchdowns? Right. I mean, you can have great players, but who can score touchdowns on your team? Um, and you know, you go look at the Super Bowl coming up here this, this weekend. You can name a bunch of guys on each team that can score a touchdown. And, and I don't mean from the two yard line. You know, it's because it's it's awful hard to go drive the ball. And the tighter you get to the goal line, the harder it is to score. And any great offensive team that I've been on has guys that can score touchdowns. So um, I was looking at the Cowboys, you know, and I mean, you get to watch them. And I watch Dak, and and all of a sudden in the NFL, you get you get a guy hurt like they got. They, uh, Tony Pollard gets banged up. He's a guy that can score touchdowns from them from further away. And you know, in, in the NFL, you don't have a lot of those guys. You look at great college teams. They have guys that can score touchdowns and, you know, and not, you know, cause it's hard to go on 12 play drives up and down the field against great teams. So at some point you're going to need that. And I, I think it'll be interesting to see um, in the NFL. A lot of times, you know, I, the, the people always ask me, what about this team, that team? I'm like, all right, we'll start with, you know, we'd always start our meetings every year. Let's put up the build our offense. What do we want to be run, throw tempo, no tempo, all those things. Let's put up on the board who can score touchdowns for us, and then we'll build it off of those guys because we need to make sure they get the ball in the hands to, to see if they can get in the end zone. Yeah, and, in, and Chad, in, in Philly's case, it seems like their their depth, they've got guys on their depth chart that can do that. You know, you see that in college, well, but yeah. not, not NFL. You, you see that, everybody, you know, and you can uh, – defensive coaches can take guys out of games. I, I hmm. If you have one guy that can score – for the most part, you can kind of try to take them that one guy out of the game. That might not always happen, but, you know, I mean, you're going to sit there and say, okay, I'm going to eliminate this guy from a game. Now, if you don't have anybody else that can score, um, I, I look at both these these teams, you know. I mean, you're going to put, put uh, A.J. Brown's over there. He can score a touchdown. Then, then um, Devontae Smith can score for the Eagles. And then the the tight end Goddard, he can score, and Jalen Hurts can score. Um, you go to to the Chiefs, and you better stop Kelsey. And if you stop Kelsey, though, all of a sudden Mahomes, if he's healthy, can run around. But if even if he's not, they do. Andy Reid does such a good job of having weapons on the field. You know, they you look at their team, and it's like they might not be a pure X receiver or an H receiver, but they have these weapons, and he puts all of them in different positions that. You know, I had Kadarius Tony play for me that's playing for the uh, for the Chiefs. You put the ball in his hands and he can score a touchdown. And, uh, you know, and so I think I think Andy does such a good job, as good as maybe anybody in football or, or probably the best in football, of putting those guys in positions to score. So 
I'm excited. I have seven guys that played for me playing in the Super Bowl, so it's going to awesome. be pretty that's, fun. That's really cool. Uh, going by your plan, though, about you know, good coach can say if you got one guy who can score, you can take that away. Um, the Eagles, they have great depth, obviously. They don't really have a, a weakness yeah. in any spot, offense or defense. But if you're going to try to implement that plan, do you try to do it against the Chiefs, given Kelsey, and then a drop-off to everyone else on that roster outside of Mahomes? Or is that still difficult because of what you said about Andy Reid and how he's going to get other guys the ball? You know, I, I still think you're, you, the, the starting point is trying to take Kelsey away. The great, the hardest thing that when you play the Chiefs that Andy does is it's like finding Waldo. Like, where's Waldo? You know, I mean, Kelsey, they're going to play every, he's going to play every different position on the field. And it gets a little harder schematically because, all right, he's in the backfield. Oh, he's playing X receiver. Now he's in the slot. Now he's at tight end and they move him around. And the structure of your defense sometimes can get out of kind of out of whack, you know, okay, Hey, we're going to double this guy, but now he's in the tight end position and we just left their number one receiver all by himself out there. So, um, you know, now the, the benefit, you know, the, the, the Eagles are going to have is sit there and say, okay, well, we're going to use our safeties and linebackers. We're going to have a plan for Kelsey. And then we're going to go take our corners, big play slay. And we're going to go, we're going to go now. He's going to go eliminate another receiver. We're going to say he can eliminate a receiver. We're going to combo Kelsey on the inside and then let the next guy try to beat us. And, you know, that that's kind of how the best way to do it. If, if you better have some talent and depth to, to eliminate players. How will you watch the game, given that you have seven former players playing in this game? What is the Dan Mullen plan to watch the Super Bowl? <laughs> you know, I, I root for my guys. So, you know what? It's, it's always kind of tricky. So, like, you know, I mean um, – Right when when the, uh, the the Chiefs have the ball, I'll root for Kadarius Tony. But you know, I mean, I got a bunch of guys on the Eagles defense, so I want to see Fletcher Cox go out there and make a bunch of plays and slay, and then uh, you know, go out there and and CJ Gardner Johnson. The, the defense of the Eagles, I got I got a couple guys over there. Then you go in, and the, the Chiefs run on the field. I'm rooting probably a lot more for defense, which is weird as an offense guy. <laughs> Because then, you know, they got Chris Jones and, and Willie Gay out there and, and Tommy Townsend's punting uh, for the Chiefs. So, and then um, then I'll, I'll like scour the guys because I think that three, I have three more guys that are in practice squads on the team. So I'll be like looking at the sidelines just to see them on the sidelines uh, for the guys. So you just kind of get guys. And then obviously, you know, I think Brian, you look at the one of the Eagles, the huge resurgence, what Jalen Hurts has done was Brian Johnson, who played for me, was my offensive coordinator, is the quarterback coach now for the Eagles. And you look at what he's been able to do in helping, um, you know, develop Jalen Hurts and implement the things, you know. So I'll, I'll be like watching and I'll laugh and, it, you know, he'll call me and, and I'll just say, hey, that, that was a staple in our offense. He goes, you know, and he'll be like, yep, we put that in, we put this in, and, and some of the things help Jalen Hurts out a lot. So, um, always look for him on the sidelines. So it'll be, uh, the nice thing is at the end of the game, there's going to be people I'm going to be really happy. Dan Mullen has been our guest and who knows, uh, maybe a future head coach by the time, uh, you, you join us again. I hope not. I hope it's uh, sooner rather than later. <laughs> I hope you're coaching. Again. I, I hope no, I we, keep coming on on this like broadcasting deal though. Like, Oh, yeah. like, you know, hey, yeah, this top analyst or games or whatever it is. Yeah, man. I, I, I a little, I enjoy it. It's a, you know what, like you guys do. You guys are out here. You enjoy it. You enjoy talking sports without some of the craziness. You're involved in it. You're in the game. You're around it all the time. Maybe without some of the uh, the drama. I do miss. I am coaching a little bit of helping the high school team out here locally. So I uh, I get my 
I get a little fixed getting out there coaching up some of the high schoolers. So you're doing just enough, right, to where you don't miss it so much <laughs> that you're jumping right back in. <laughs> well, as my wife says, my son's out there playing now, and I, you know, I would have never got to see him play, so I'm out there. And I, you know, she's like, you really need to be on the sidelines because I'm pacing around. I, you know, I, I the uh, I, now that you're kind of out of it, like coach, coaches watching their kids are like a special animal. Like you just, we need, they need like a glass box for us in the end zone <laughs> of games, just because we're like a music of pacing and we know what's going on. And you're like, you, you know, you don't want to like be a distraction, but you're yelling out, you know, like, Hey, one throw this, you know, like come, come this, like you're just, I'm chewing on my water bottle, trying not to say stuff. And just like, you know, uh, do, do you feel uh, like coach, it, it's that, a lot of fun. do you feel like you're in a, in a spot now though, where, you can be pretty picky in terms of opportunity when, when coaching, when, whenever you're ready to coach again, if it's the time that you can kind of sit back and wait on the right opportunity. Yeah. I, well, I don't know. I, I you know, I, it's tough. Cause like the right opportunity might not, if I'm ready, the might not the right opportunity might not be there. I think timing's a lot of things that are out there and, you know, I don't know what the right opportunity would be. There's so many great opportunities. And so, and you know, a lot of coaching and, and it's what you make of it. Uh, you know, I, I thought, you know, a lot of people were scratching their head when I went to Starkville and I stayed there for a long time. And I, I loved, I loved being the head coach of Mississippi state. I love the community. I love, I love the, the Mississippi state fan base and everybody there and everything about it. And uh, it just was the place I wanted to be. There were opportunities a lot when I was there and I just never felt ready to take one. And uh, when the Florida opportunity came around, I, I thought, you know what? I, I thought I'd done an awful lot for Mississippi State, and I was ready for a different challenge. And I'm, I, you know, I thought, you know, they're maybe ready for somebody new at this point, you know. And you get the, you could stay there forever. You could do this, and but you know what? I thought in college football, everybody, you know, the, the today's world, everybody gets a little bit bored of you, right? I, I had somebody tell me once, you know, you, you get your first year, you get a grace period coaching, maybe two years, you know, then you kind of annoy ten percent of the fan base every year after that. So, I mean, I was at Mississippi State for nine years. About 80% of them are about fed up with me at that point, you know. Uh, the, uh, but, you know, you, you get opportunities to go do that and go move on. So, we'll see. You know, I think a lot of it, I'm enjoying time with my family. Um, I do. I really enjoy the TV side of things, and I want to see where that takes me. And all, all of a sudden, like anything, you know, I guess as a coach, I'm a competitor. And, you know, in coaching, you want to go out there every week. You want to be the best. I want to try to be the best I can be uh, on the broadcasting side now and um, see if I can continue to improve. I, you know, I'm excited this offseason to get to spend with some, you know, being on ESPN to spend some time with people on ESPN and say, take me through what I did well. Take me through what I did poorly. How am I getting better? Uh, You know, if if I'm going to be, what am I going to be doing and how do I do those things better? Uh, to perform at a higher level. And it's just kind of how I was raised and brought up. And that's that's what I'm going to look at doing this spring. Follow him on social, at Coach Dan Mullen. Thanks so much for the visit. Always great. And hopefully we'll do it again soon. Yeah, anytime. Sounds great to be with you guys. Have a great time. Enjoy the Super Bowl this week. It's, this is the saddest thing about the Super Bowl I know. is when the game ends, it's like, Oh my goodness! There's no more football. Yeah, it's a until long winter. The countdown is on. Until it's, it's a long. I mean, it's a long <laughs> way till we get to watch yep. some football, guys. Just like it's sad. At least we have like the USFL and the XFL yep. and some of that stuff coming up. And I, I remember growing up when I was young. I loved the uh, the U the original USFL. I thought I, I kind of got into it, and I, 
I got to try to find a way to get into some of these these spring leagues a little bit. Oh, and then yeah. here comes the debate about the quarterbacks too in the draft. So, I mean, that's we'll, already we'll have, started. We'll have NFL draft also, <laughs> which will be nice. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into that one and break that down. So, hey, appreciate you, man. Anyway. We'll catch up soon. Sounds great. Have a great day. All right, you too. There's Thank Dan you. Mullen. Uh, always enjoyed our conversations with him. Yeah, and uh, this one no different. Uh, very cool dude and. I, I do hope he's back into coaching soon. Yeah, I, I remember um, that conversation you referenced at uh, Opryland Hotel here in Nashville at the coaches' convention, and talking to him then, and his you could hear his interest in the NFL. Oh, yeah. When he was talking about that as Mississippi State's head coach, you can hear him talk about the Super Bowl there, and it's not difficult to bridge the gap there and say, this guy with a lot of interest in the NFL. I don't know yes. where his next coaching opportunity is going to come, but – it, it may be an NFL opportunity at some you know, point for Dan Mullen. The script just didn't call for that in the league. The scripted... What script do you mean? The one uh, for white men can't jump? No, the, the NFL is rigged. Oh, this is script. the NFL script. Just gotcha. follow the script. There uh, have been some really funny memes, tweets, uh, videos, posts of players, former players, uh, media members, others that have leaned into the NFL is scripted examples. We've got those for you coming up. Plus... Uh, the headlines from Sean Payton's introductory press conference. That's next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Our kick 360 rolls on. Chather, you know, most of this, I would say, is the emotional fan that reacts whenever their team does not have success or the refs, the refs screwed us, right? That immediately jumped on board with the, oh, this is rigged. They wanted the Chiefs to win this game against Cincinnati or, you know, the, the whole process, the path for Philadelphia set up for this story with, with the Eagles. But if you actually sit back and look at it, like I think the, the common sense fan would say, you know what? They didn't put the Green Bay Packers in in Week 18. They put Seattle in. So if you're buying into the NFL is rigged, you have to also buy into the fact that there are plenty of examples of quote-unquote scripts that the NFL definitely would not have written given the circumstances. Well, and it's also it's just easier mentally to explain, to rationalize that someone's out to get you yeah. as opposed to the truth, which is, you just got lucky with a bad, unlucky with a bad call, or, or by human error. And earlier, you didn't make the play, or you just, yeah, your team just didn't do enough to win. You know, that's 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 harder for the fan to rationalize than to just say, "Oh, they've got it out for us." Oh, we, we were on the road, so that the refs wanted the hometown team to win. Yeah. Or, oh, Roger Goodell wanted this quarterback to advance. <laughs> that's easier to say, and it makes you feel better. Right when you when you claim that, or you hate this owner, so it's totally against someone else. It, right, um, Arian Foster stirred some stuff up with the comments, the tongue in cheek stuff with Barstool. Here, here are the initial comments with PFT. Whenever PFT is asking Foster about the NFL is rigged and receiving a script each year, it's funny. Before we start taping, 
uh, Arian was telling me about how the NFL is rigged and how every year he used to get a script. Yeah. Day one of training camp that would mm-hmm. get dropped off at his locker. Mm-hmm. And you would have to, you know, it was like week one, you'll do this. Week two, you're going to have a hamstring injury. Week three, this is going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Week four, you're going to get three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And so then you just have to, did you memorize those? Before the season started, would you go and rehearse the script before every game? Uh, we were really dedicated to it. So it was more so like um, that's what practice was about. It was about practicing the script. Like this is what goes on and this is what we have to do mm-hmm. in order to. Yeah. And this referee is going to miss this call <laughs> yeah, because they hate you yeah. and they love the Colts. Yeah, that like, sort of thing. Uh, WWF. So it's like, you yeah, know, we know what's going to happen, but you just got to put on a show. Yeah. What did yeah. you think when you got the script in 2016 that said your career was going to fall off a cliff when you stopped <laughs> believing in God? That was 2015. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it just uh, the macro dosing pod is where you can find that. That's uh, that's terrific. Again, work. that's the funny reaction to everyone that says like, "Oh, this this stuff is totally scripted." There have been other funny tweets though. What did you say to the script? Yeah, <laughs> did you just not believing in God that your career would fall off a cliff. Like uh, from oh, uh, Eddie Lacy and his off-season diet plan. You know, it, it, just following the script here. Uh, using uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, and we'll show the tweet here in just a second, I believe. A very lengthy fast food order, though, uh, with Eddie Lacy and the the off-season diet plan. I'll have two number nines, a number nine large, a number six with extra dip, a number seven, two number 45s, one with cheese, and a large soap. I don't play video games, but I tore up GTA. That was that was my game too. That's crazy. That once again, Chut and strikes again. That's the that's the one game of that era uh, that I played. I mean, that could be Eddie Lacy's off season diet plan where yeah. he blew up. I would love to have that diet plan. <laughs> like I, I mean, give me that script any day of the week. Like I I love food that's terrible for me. I mean, if there's a script like, hey, blow up by fifty pounds, no problem. I'll do that for you. How, how long do you need? A month? Two? I can do it for you in whatever time you want. I can make that happen. More from uh, the the funny port, uh, parts of, of Twitter. Rush Hour 2 and Chris Tucker at a massage parlor. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This place is off the hook. I love Hong Kong. <laughs> you get a massage from Chinese girl before? No, but I heard it was the bomb. Come with me. You pick any girl for you and your friend. Any girl? Any girl. Okay. I don't know where to start. I'll take that one right there. She got to come. Oh, yes. She's very nice. She is nice, but I hurt my back and my neck, and I need a little bit more massage, you know? So I'm going to take her in the pink, too. Oh, yes. And let me get her baby. And then I'm going to have her. Can, can I get her, too? And her right there, right there. So you got the the joke, the tucking joke with Watson, right? But also, Sean Watson but also Bob Kraft. Script. But also Bob Kraft works into this too yeah. with Orchids of Asia. Yeah, Robert Kraft. Uh, Do you think he was happy when he got that script? Right. About what he was going to get popped doing? Again, the the NFL would not script these negative storylines that have dominated off seasons. Both of those did. No. And it paints all of all of the owners in a bad light. It's all about protecting the shield, Chad. It's all about protecting the shield. Now, but those fans who are upset and irate that their team lost, they think the protection of the shield includes, for whatever reason, their team that's one of right. 32 exactly. being out. And the other one needs to be in for whatever reason. And the NFL is so scripted that here is, uh, <laughs> uh, in reference to the Lions and 
They're upset that they've never had a good season. They actually have. We just saw it. Good, quote-unquote. For the Lions. For the Lions. Which includes no playoffs. Here's Skip Bayless uh, yelling at Shannon Sharp. Yeah, it's my t- turn. <laughs> it is. You told me it was my turn. You can talk all that you hey, want to, hey, yell and scream. Hey, okay, it is my you turn. You lost the game. It's my turn. The Lions always yelling that. It's Jeff. my turn. It's my turn. Is great. If you got the script from the Lions the last forty years, you'd be screaming, "It's my turn too." Um, we also have the. Uh, I mean, again, the, the negative storylines. There are fans that will believe that this is all like in the books, right? When I say fans, like conspiracy theorists, like Aaron Hernandez. Oh no! Well, we had you know a guy on our YouTube chat that believed that Demar Hamlin was using a body double. That it's, actually believed it. It's bizarre. Here, so someone's going to believe this is all real. Here is a Hernandez training after receiving a script. Again, just asinine. And, and Arian Foster is getting all of this on Twitter after the tongue-in-cheek segment on his podcast. Um, so a lot of people thought that was real, I guess, the Arian Foster thing. I guess if they read the quotes, I don't know how you think that's real. Well, someone probably picked it up and ran it as real. And if you just read it, like you said, printed out, then you would think that it was something. Finally, video of Stephen A. Smith uh, playing the role of Nick Foles, finding out he's going to win Super Bowl MVP. What? And by the way, me? There- <laughs> me? <laughs> oh, very well done. And we would have had Brock Purdy not get hurt. The NFL wins again. It would have been, it would have been a Brock Purdy Super Bowl if the NFL would have... Uh, Stuck to the original script of what they really wanted. So who would be the Nick Foles of Super Bowl MVP stardom this Sunday? Right? Like the, the guy who would be shocked that it's going to be him. Gardner Minshew because Jalen Hurts goes down early in the game oh, that's a good with an one. injury. That's good. That would be the exact replica of the Eagles' backup quarterback getting yeah. it. Maybe a running back for the Chiefs. Yeah. Pacheco. McKinnon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jason Good Kelsey, question. Jason Kelsey, <laughs> Jason Kelsey. You have to have a stellar performance as a center to win MVP of the of the Super Bowl. You have to be really good in the run game and protection. So Sean Payton said today that uh, that he's not going to allow the staff members of Russell Wilson's training staff, the performance team, uh, in the building this year. That was one of the main points of conversation following the introductory press conference for Sean Payton today in Denver. Um, when asked about what has been going on the last 12 months, I guess, physical therapists, trainers, um, others that had access, had a key card to the Broncos facility on behalf of Russell Wilson that were not a part of the team performance crew, staff, coaches, whatever you want to call them. Quote from Sean Payton, that's foreign to me. That's not going to take place here. I'm not familiar with it, but our staff will be here. Our players will be here, and that'll be it. That from Sean Payton. That, that's, um, that's concerning. Not, not Sean Payton's part of this, the Russell Wilson thing. I didn't know that he had like a team of coaches around him in Denver also. You heard Jeff Fisher say that, uh, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that he needs to get in better shape, that he looked out of shape this year also. Yeah, he, thought he, was, he was playing a little heavy. Yeah. That, that he wasn't him, his wasn't, mobility wasn't the same, right? But I, was, I mean, not good. They also like they were also not running the offense that we saw in Seattle that made Russell Wilson successful, and that's not all on um, you know what was happening with Hackett. That could be what Russell Wilson wanted whenever he was traded there, right? 
But if you believe the reports that he was helping recruit Sean Payton, then Russell Wilson's in on this decision just like Sean Payton's in on this decision. You would think. Yeah, I mean, I, well, if not, then Russell Wilson's in for a rude awakening that the coach he petitioned to get and for the team to trade for is coming in and wrecking his plans for his personal coaches to be around. This screams the Alex Guerrero, Tom Brady stuff with Belichick. That was a huge divide for them when he was bringing Guerrero around, if you remember. Yeah, and he, that well, was a big problem. But uh, away from the facility, though. Like, it was it was a separate oh. building. He was, well, that's where the problem started, though. He was around the facility, and yeah. Belichick ordered him out, and then they started going elsewhere because so, he needed to work with him. So I, you think <laughs> Wilson now builds his own facility? Instead of TB12, you've got... He's going to say, new facility, let's ride. <laughs> let's ride performance. Broncos country. This is Team Russell Wilson. Let's ride. Brian Flores has accepted the Vikings defensive coordinator position. He's headed from being a Steelers assistant to the Vikings defensive coordinator job. Uh, this per Adam Schefter. And this is a mere hours after it was mentioned that the Cardinals had narrowed down to three coaches. Flores was one of them. And Kafka was uh, the other who's uh, interviewing for head coaching. He interviewed in Indianapolis as well. Kafka, who left Kansas City to pair up with Brian Dayball, is now reaping the benefits and success of the Giants' season. It's a lot like, Chad, uh, Matt LaFleur in Nashville that one year. Yeah, yeah. And well, I mean, that, and what a great gig he landed because of that one year in Nashville. Yeah, with Green Bay, yeah. Um, I, boy, I've got a lot of question marks about that Arizona job. It, it doesn't seem like one that, um, you know, we just talked to Dan Mullen about opportunity and being picky. Mm -hmm. If you have the luxury of being picky at all about a head coaching gig, you're not touching Arizona. That's the sense I get. Also, they, they were mentioning Flores in Denver as well, and he chose Minnesota. Um, he, and there were other options available for him too. Um, we'll read up on the details of this, but it, this may also mean that he's taking this Arizona's about to name their next head coach. I haven't seen that report yet. But for Brian Flores... Yeah, he caught wind that he's not getting it, possibly. Yeah, or, or yeah, they, the, the, they know that they're going in a different direction. If not, I don't know why you would take a D.C. job when you're in a lawsuit for being, um, being used to, to, uh, as, an escape, as a scapegoat in Miami, right? Like, it, you would wait on the head coaching position. Yes, but, yeah. Well, we'll see if Arizona's about to announce something in the next 15 minutes or so uh, before wrapping up the show. We've got headlines coming up. Chad, you have a, a review of 80 for Brady. Yeah, we had the Sterling review from Alejandro Avila on Friday. My Aunt Mitzi went to the movie for her birthday. She did not see Knock at the Cabin Door. She saw 80 for Brady. She did not see Avatar 2, Way of Water. She saw 80 for Brady, and she sent me a lengthy text with a review that we will review when okay. we come back. That's next on Outkick 360. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. 
For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. A.J. Green, who played for the Cardinals and Bengals, has announced his retirement today. I'll kick 360 rolls on. Nice little career for old A.J. Yeah. Green. 34 years old, played 11 seasons, fourth overall in the 2011 draft. And Chad, I went back and looked at the 2011 draft. A.J. was fourth overall. So it's Cam Newton, Von Miller, Marcel Darius, A.J. Green, Patrick Peterson, wow. Julio Jones, Alden Smith, <coughs> Jake Locker, Tyron Smith. One is not like the other. J.J. Watt, Robert Quinn, Mike Pouncey. That's just in the top 15. That's a nice draft in 2011. That's not bad, yeah. And A.J. Green feels older than that to me for some reason. I yeah, don't know why. It's, well, it's weird. Like He feels... Older than 34, but then when you hear 2011 draft, right? Yeah, that seems like it should have been. He, he was like 2007. I feel like you know that that doesn't feel right. Yeah, he's got some great numbers, uh, but you know everyone he's he's had. He's the first player, uh, first receiver, uh, thousand yard receiver in his first five seasons, nine seasons for the Bengals. First five thousand yards each. He only had two seasons with more than. 900 receiving after that stretch, though. Got kind of buried out, in, and, and injuries also played a factor. Yep. Chad, um, injury's not a factor for Tom Brady, but he's retiring. He's also uh, out of the game. Uh, AJ, I'm not sure, is going to have a, a film career, much like Brady's, and you have a family member who went and partook in the, uh, the debut weekend. Yeah, I promised my Aunt Mitzi, who loves the show, um, much like all of my family, Mitzi. Lo- loves the show. Aunt Mitzi, for her birthday, went and saw 80 for Brady this weekend. I told her to send me a review and that we would review the review on this show. Uh, by the way, uh, Show Hutton once turned me on to a very good program, Review, back in the day oh, on yes. Comedy Central. Uh, very underrated show. It was, it was so canceled. here is the review. <laughs> it was, yes. And for, but much, like, uh, much like 80 for Brady will be after uh, this next week in the box office. Um, from my Aunt Mitzi. The movie was better than expected. The trailer does not do it justice. I am not a Brady fan, but he surprised me. Most of his appearances are just clips from games, but he has some one-on-one with Lily Tomlin, and he does a very convincing job, Jane Fonda's hair, which looks horrible, but is part of the story. It's definitely a Golden Girls type of movie. They set out to do something that you always wanted to do, but would never let yourself. It could never happen but it's so fun and funny to see the situations they put themselves in. The serious underlying story plays over to the Super Bowl game that no matter what the odds, we don't give up, we fight. <laughs> Pretty good message for a movie. No, it's not a Top Gun level movie, but something fun to enjoy, laugh a little, and let go of life for a few minutes. I will watch it again. Awesome. I told my Aunt Mitzi, based on her review, I'm going to watch this thing. Oh, wow. I'm not going to wow. the theater. I'm going to wait till it streams, but I will watch it. All because of Mitzi's review. Not Alejandro's, Mitzi's. That's what sold me. I, I just, why can't they make a trailer It's a slice of life, Hutton. You know, it's, no, I'm sorry, but it's a story of just go for it and just live life. Fine. And it's the golden girls telling us to do this. I, okay. Just make the trailer better next time. The trailer is so bad. I still refuse to believe that a movie with a trailer that bad is good. It'd be good. I agree with. Have you, you seen this? Uh, there's a movie. It's, it's streaming now, I think, but it's a uh, it's Gerard Butler, and the, the name of the movie is just Plane, like an airplane. 
But someone no, sent it to me this. and said, wait till the end. The title of the movie will kill you. We'll have you crying, laughing. And it's this action-packed thriller of like a ex-con on a plane, and then something goes down, and he's got to take it down. And they're in the jungle, and they land the plane in the jungle, and they're all fighting each other. Yeah. And all this is going on. And then at the end, it's just plain. <laughs> <laughs> Gerard Butler in plane. And that's the, the it's like Where they is, ran out of all creativity. At where the has end. he been? Guys, you know what we need to call it? Plane. He's filming plane. What's the movie about? Well, they're on a plane. That's it. No, no, don't tell me anything more. They're on a plane. It's plane. Chad has a big softball practice tonight. The first I of do. season two. I do. I've got my. Uh, He's got a lineup right here. Got my group list. To my left. Got my group. Uh, we break it off into stations for teams. Got to keep kids moving. This is a good lesson for all you young coaches out there. Don't let them stand around too long. Time to win a title. So we keep them moving the whole time. Time to win the title. Coming up tomorrow, I hope you'll join us starting at 3 o'clock Eastern. Uh, John McClain will be on the show. Trey Wallace and Mike G will join us from OutKick. A lot to discuss with both. Uh, and Guns, I believe, is doing the halftime show discussion we'll have tomorrow with who hasn't performed the Super Bowl halftime, who should. Uh, we'll give our opinions there as well. Plus, Logan Ryan. Buccaneers corner and longtime teammate, both in New England and in Tampa with Tom Brady. Logan Ryan will be on the show ahead of hitting Radio Row. Uh, he's reaching out to us via Zoom. And uh, we'll chat a little bit about Brady's career and also how things have wrapped up for him as well and in then Tampa. we're off to Arizona for the Super Bowl. That's right, right after tomorrow's show. Radio Row coverage throughout the week leading up to Super Bowl 57 Eagles and Chiefs will be previewing that matchup throughout the week right here across the Outkick Network. Thanks for joining us for the Monday edition of Outkick 360.